Father God, I want to thank you for bringing us together once again. Uh, I want to thank you for a good weekend. God, the facilities here are awesome. Uh, it's, it's, it's easy to get distracted by the beauty that surrounds us. Uh, but Father, it's just a testament to your glory uh, that, that you put this beauty on this earth. You put us here to enjoy your good creation. And it's good to be here with one another. Um, and enjoying this together. And I pray as we open your word this morning that our hearts will be prepared to receive what you have to share. Guys, that our, uh, God, that our mind will be open uh, to the ideas and the truths that we're going to see. Um, and Father, more than anything, that we'll apply this to our lives. I also want to uh, pray for Brittany, uh, who has been sick, uh, that she'll feel well. And anybody else? Uh, that's under the weather here, God, that you'll just uh, provide healing for them, that we can have a great weekend, and it's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. Go ahead and open back up to 1 John. Um, let me get my notes up here. Chapter 1. Uh, you guys will remember this from last night. If this thing will load. I'm still operating from an iPad 2. Oh, come so, on. Yeah, bro. you guys can all. <laughs> come on, Wes. First world problems, you know. Um, so 1 John 1, verse 3. Uh, we read this last night, but John is writing to this congregation of people that he shepherded. And he said, we proclaim to you what we've seen and heard so that you may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship, our collective fellowship, is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. Okay, who remembers what fellowship means? Mutual sharing. It's a sharing of our lives with one another. You share, I share, uh, we share together. That's fellowship, okay? And this mutual sharing is based on, for disciples of Jesus, our mutually shared relationship with God. Right? Now, what is the greatest command in all of Scripture? Okay, let's look at it. Matthew 22. Matthew 22, verse 36. Flip over there real quick. Um, uh, yeah, we'll have these up here, too. Um, so if you want to take it up. By the way, guys, there's going to be more than probably take notes on this morning. Um, I'm going to provide all this stuff to you. So if you want to write down key points you want to remember, but I'm going to give you all these scripture references, okay? Um, we'll do that uh, later. But Matthew 22, 36 to 40, this guy comes to Jesus and he says, teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the what? First. And the what? The greatest commandment, right? And then uh, and he says, the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang upon these two commandments. Okay, so he just summarized your entire Old Testament in two commands. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. Everything, Moses and Elijah, hinges upon these two things. All of it. Um, and so... There's a, there's a great truth here. How many of you guys grew up, and especially, I grew up going to Church of Christ. I know most people in here, a lot of you did. Um, 
How many of you guys grew up thinking that Christianity was about following all the rules and doing all the things right? And there's, there's steps you have to follow, right? You get the steps right. You check that step off, check that step off, check that step off. That's your faith, right? Wrong. Jesus, in this command, shares that Christianity, guys, it's not about rules. It's, it's first and foremost about relationship. Christianity is first and foremost about relationship. Now, are there things we do to, to please God? Yeah. But if all you're focused on are the steps or the rules and you miss the relationship, guess what Jesus would say, who he would say you're like? You guys ever read about the Pharisees? Yeah. <laughs> That's what they were focused on. They tied the net. Uh, a tenth of their mint and, and dill and spice. They, they tied their spices. They're so devout when it comes to rule keeping. But they missed the greatest command, which is to love God. Guys, it's about relationship. It's not about rules. And I think it's really easy for us. One of the things that will hinder community is when we miss this aspect of what a uh, what, uh, walk with the Lord should look like. And that's it's a relationship. It's not rule keeping. And if we if our faith is all about rule keeping, are we gonna have fellowship with one another? Are we gonna have tight knit community with one another? No. Because if we don't get our relationship with God right, we can't. Because our fellowship, our mutual sharing, is based upon the premise of this relationship with God. And I'll just tell you, I'm speaking this morning as a man who has struggled with this. Because for a long time, I didn't love God very well. I didn't. Matter of fact, when I first became a Christian in that campus ministry down in Tampa, Florida, I remember meeting with the preacher and my campus minister and asking them the question, how do I love God? Because I see you guys talking about your relationship with God, and I see like tears in your eyes. We, and this passion that you have. And, and I know I'm supposed to do all these things, but I don't feel it. I'm not emotionally connected. You guys know love's not an emotion? You guys realize that? I think, I think some people confuse love with emotion. Love can cause emotions, but love is not necessarily an emotion. And so their advice to me at that point in my life was, the emotional stuff will come. What you need to do right now is obey. And they showed me the scriptures that talk about that. And I'm like, okay. And so I, I did it. I obeyed. But for a long time still, it was about the rule keeping. And, it, and just to that, like, you know where I am today, like, those emotions did come. And now I do get emotional when I talk about God. And, and part of the reason uh, I was messed up is because I didn't do emotions very well, period, because of my past that we talked about last night. Um, but anyway, let's, uh, I, I want to show you part of what helped me, okay? Um, there's two things that I think if you struggle in a relationship with God, there's two things that I think... Uh, would be beneficial for you to get in the habit of doing. Um, the first thing is to meditate on the power of God, and the second thing is to meditate on the character of God and what God has done for you. And so all I want to do in this lesson is look at those, the scriptures that kind of show us the character of God, uh, the power of God and the character of God, and then we're going to just get into some practical application at the end and some discussion questions for next hour, okay? Um, have you guys ever studied the characteristics of God, though? 
like just sat down and looked at it. Okay, this is this is gonna be cool. Um, tomorrow, after we're done with the lesson tonight, I'm gonna tweet out uh, a document that has all of the scriptures we're gonna cover in this session plus some, and all of the scriptures we're gonna cover in the next session and tomorrow's session plus some. And they're broken down into 26 different days for your quiet times. So after you guys leave here, you're going to have a document with all the stuff we have uh, from covered from this weekend that you can get up in the morning and when you want to do your quiet time with the Lord, you can look back over these scriptures and you can pray over them and you've got questions that you can ask yourself and you can journal and all that stuff. So that's going to come, but this is going to be a lot, okay? So I'm just telling you ahead of time. Um, but the first characteristic that I want to look at is that God is omnipotent and all-powerful. So if you guys want to write that down, you can. Uh, we get this from a number of different scriptures, but I'm just going to put three up here on the slide. Uh, Psalms 115, verse 3, our God is in heaven. He does whatever pleases him. Jeremiah 32, 17, ah, sovereign Lord, you've made the, you made the heavens and the earth by your great power and outstretched arm. Nothing is too hard for you. Matthew 19, 26, Jesus looked at them and said, with man this is impossible, but with God what? Is there anything impossible for God? Okay. Can God do anything? No, He can't. You're wrong. Um, because He's all-powerful, He can never make a mistake. Because all of His Word, everything He said is true, He can never lie. Because He is who He is, he doesn't mess up at all. He is totally perfect. He can't have darkness within him. He can't sin. Just because he's all-powerful doesn't mean there's things he can't do. It means there is absolutely things he can't do because he's all-powerful. And so some of us, I think, sometimes look at our life and, and say, man, how could God allow this? Well, you know, he knows better. Um, and so we'll talk more about that as we go. But the, he's all-powerful, okay? Which precisely means there are some things he can't do. Okay? Um, secondly, God is omnipresent, or all-present. Uh, this means that he's everywhere, and he sees everything. Jeremiah 23, uh, verse 23 and 24, Am I only a God nearby, declares the Lord, and not a God far away? Who can hide in secret places so that I cannot see them, declares the Lord. Do I not fill heaven and earth, declares the Lord. Psalm 139, verse 7. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee your presence? Guys, is there anywhere God isn't? Is there anywhere God isn't? Outer darkness. Outer darkness? I don't know. When they cast out into the outer darkness, will he be there? Well, if he created everything, I don't know. That's a good question. Some people would debate, is God in hell? I don't know. I mean, he's in charge of it. All authority in heaven and on earth and under the earth. I mean, he's in charge. You can see what goes on, I think. Uh, so I don't know how all that works, but I know this says he's everywhere, man. Um, and so I think just as we're thinking about how this affects our relationship with God, some of you have had some horrible things happen to you. Was God there? Yeah. Was God there in the midst of that? Yeah. Did God see it? Yeah. And where this will cause you to struggle is when you learn this and say, why didn't he stop it? We'll get into that. But he was there. 
You know what's kind of funny about the story of Jonah? He tried to run from him. Didn't work out. <laughs> Didn't work out. It's one of my favorite stories in the Old Testament. He's everywhere. Thirdly, God is omniscient and all-knowing. He knows everything. Uh, it says in Psalm 147, verse 5, Great is our Lord and mighty in power. His understanding has no limit. Ezekiel 11.5, Then the Spirit of the Lord came on me and He told me to say, This is what the Lord says. That is what you are saying, you leaders in Israel. But I know what? What's going on? What's going through your mind? What is going... Uh, yeah, what's going through your mind? Romans 2.16, This will take place on the day when God judges people's secrets through Jesus Christ, as my gospel declares. Guys, can you keep a secret from God? Not only does he see everything you do because he's everywhere and he sees all, he also knows your inner workings. He knows your fantasies. He knows your thoughts. That's why Jesus comes along in the book of Matthew and he says, you have heard it said, do not commit adultery, but I tell you that anytime a man looks at a woman lustfully, he's already committed adultery with her in his heart and we're going to be judged for that because even thoughts are not hidden from the Lord. Um, and so he knows everything about you. Guys, he also sees the unseen in the spiritual realm. The Bible makes real clear. We just had a guy come to our church named Joe Bean. Uh, have any of you guys heard of the book Seeing the Unseen? You guys haven't heard of that book? Oh my gosh, it's so awesome. You need to read that book. Um, it's a New York Times bestseller. It uh, was years ago. Um, but Joe is a, is a Church of Christ preacher. He's got a, a radio show that he does. He's actually... Uh, a counselor, um, he's got an interesting story, but he, he, in this book, talks about all this unseen reality that the Bible refers to in these, the spiritual warfare and how there's angels and demons affecting everything that happens in the seen world. Well, God can see all that. And so he knows even, even that aspect of uh, reality. Um, fourthly, God is self-sufficient and self-existent. God is self-sufficient and self-existent. In Psalms 90, verse 2, it says, Before the mountains were born, are you brought forth the whole world from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. In Colossians 1, uh, 15 through 17, it's talking about Jesus. It says, The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Some of you in here may think Jesus uh, is just the Son of God. What the Bible teaches is that Jesus is the exact representation of God and that he is one with God the Father and one with God the Holy Spirit. And so what we see in Jesus is God as man. Jesus is God. Amen. Okay? Amen. Jesus is God. Amen. And uh, I think that's misunderstood sometimes. But we pray to Jesus just like we pray to God the Father, just like we pray to God the Holy Spirit. They're all one. Okay, one and three personalities. Uh, three expressions. Um, but why this is important is uh, he doesn't need anybody else. He exists eternally. You know, it says from everlasting to everlasting. 
I remember asking my mom as a little kid, when was God born? And she was like, Wes, God wasn't born, he just is. And I was like, what? That doesn't make sense. And then she showed me that passage where he talks to Moses in the burning bush. What do I call you? Call me I am. What? Really? That's, that's the answer? I tell them I am sent you. You know, like, it doesn't make sense to define my mind. Like, it just doesn't. But he wasn't born. He just is. And he always will be. And he doesn't need anything else. He doesn't need anybody else. But for some reason, he created the angels. For some reason, he allows the demons. You know, and there's this whole theology of them being fallen angels. And, you know, for some reason, he created us. And he put them in a garden. And, by the way, have you ever heard somebody say, if God is so loving, why didn't he create a perfect world? Well, he did. Can you imagine this? Sitting, you know, you're, you're chilling in the garden. All your needs are taken care of. You can play with the lions and the tigers because they eat vegetables. You're naked and there's a hot woman that's also naked. And everything's cool. And you can do whatever, you know. And there's one thing you can't do. You got one rule. You have one job. Uh, don't do this. By the way, why would God make the possibility of evil there in the garden in the perfect world? Choice. I can go to my computer and I can type, turn on voice to text and I can type I love you in my computer and it'll say I love you through the speakers, but does my computer love me? No, I'm just, it's doing what it's programmed to do. That computer doesn't have the ability to choose. But as soon as you introduce choice into the equation, as soon as we create AI and we ask it if it loves us and it kills us all, um, well, that's no, no, no. Uh, by the way, there's a company that's developing it right now and they chose the name Cyberdyne. Have you guys heard about that? It's a West Coast company, which Cyberdyne is the company that creates the Terminator and the Terminator movies. Yeah, hilarious, guys. Um, anyway, um, yeah, choice allows the ability to love. And so Adam and Eve every day had to get up in their perfect world and decide whether they were going to love God or not. And, uh, and God was there. And you might also notice that uh, it says in this Colossians passage, you know, Jesus is before everything, but it says, for in him all things were created. Things in heaven, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him. And there's a little three-letter word. And for him. Even the outer darkness created through him and for him. Uh, everything was created for him. What about you? Were you created for him? Yeah. You were. So we can either live in that purpose or out of it. Um, next characteristic. God is holy and transcendent. It says in uh, 1 Samuel 2, verse 2, There is no one holy like the Lord. There is no one besides you. There is no rock like our God. In Isaiah 55, 8 and 9, it says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the, heaven, as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. In uh, John 8, Jesus uh, says, You are from below, but I am from above. You are of this world, I am not of this world. And so God is this holy other. He's not like us. He doesn't think like us. He's not like the angels. 
He doesn't think like the angels. They're just as surprised by things he does as we are. In fact, the Bible says they didn't know the plan that God had for this world. They were sitting in patient expectation, waiting to find out. They would hear the prophets prophesy, and they'd be like, what are those guys talking about? Will you tell us what you're talking about? And the prophets are like, we don't even know what we're talking about. We're just saying what he tells us to say. And then things happen, and it makes sense later, but even the angels don't get it. He's wholly other. And so this is one of those things that just requires some trust. You know, when Jesus says, I am from below, I'm from above, you're from below, I see things differently than you see them. I've got all these characteristics. I can see the big picture. You can see a little bitty speck. Like, you're like an ant crawling across the face of the Mona Lisa. You can't make out the definition of the lines, the, def the difference in the hue, the color. You can't see the whole portrait. You just see one little part, and there's a crack, and you're like, what's wrong with God? There's a crack there. What's he thinking? You don't see this beautiful, like, portrait. But Jesus and God see it all. They see everything. They're holy other. They're above. They're beyond. They're, they're God, right? You say, God, you're not doing this right. You ever pray and advise God on what he should do? Like, don't do that. <laughs> he knows better than you. He knows better than me, right? Yep. Um, now, if, if what we've talked about so far, if that's all you knew about God, would you feel like you could get close to him? Because to be honest with you, if all I knew, what he's, he's, he's all-knowing, he's all-powerful, he's everywhere, he sees everything, he knows all, like, everything I've ever done, all the things, I've, all the thoughts I've ever had, I wouldn't want to get close to him. I'd be afraid of him. You read these scriptures about him judging the world and how there's this place called hell that you're going to inhabit if you're not pleasing to the Lord. I'd be afraid of him. Lucky for us, the characteristics of God don't end there. Because there's also the goodness of God that you've got to meditate on. So this is the second half. You know, meditate, meditate on the power of God. Secondly, meditate on the goodness of God. Because uh, God, is the, God is good and the source of all good. That's the next characteristic. God is good and the source of all good. It says in Psalms 25, verse 8, Good and upright is the Lord, therefore he instructs sinners in their ways. Wow, that should give us some hope, right? Yeah. He's going he's gonna to help us. John 10.10, 10, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. But I, Jesus, have come that they may have life and have it what? Have it to the full, right? Have it in abundance. Have a good life. How many times have I looked for the good life apart from God? How many times have I looked on the cover of magazines and say, man, that looks like the good life? Not realizing that some of the saddest people in the world are going to cover the magazines. Right? That how you doing? I'm fine. Stuff that's going on there. Uh, 1 Corinthians 2.9, however, as it is written, what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, what no human mind has conceived, the things God has prepared for those who love Him. Do we have a choice to love God or not? We make a good choice. Guess what God has prepared for us? Good things. Does that mean life is going to be great? Does that mean you may not get cancer and die? Does that mean your family may not be killed in a car wreck? You know what suffering affords, though? 
opportunities to glorify God in the midst of some of the hardest and most tragic circumstances. And the Bible says you take your darkness and turn it to light. Right? God is good and He has your good in mind. Even if it comes through the bad. He wants to use you as good, right? He's wholly good. God is graceful and approachable. God is graceful and approachable. Psalm 145, verse 17, The Lord is righteous in all His ways and kind in all His deeds. Not only is He powerful, guys, He's kind. He's kind. It says in Hebrews 4, 16, Let us then approach God's throne of grace with what? Confidence. Does He want us trembling? Coming up? He wants us to approach Him with confidence. Because we're comfortable with them. Like a child, like, when I go see my kids at home, guys, I, I miss my kids. I haven't seen them for a few days. When I go home and see them, I'm not going to go get out on one knee with my arms open and then come to me like this. <laughs> oh, don't kill me. My kids are going to run and I'm going to embrace them. And I miss them. I wish they were here. I miss them. And I can't wait to go home to see him. And that's how God feels about you. If you love him in this life, it's like the prodigal returning home. He's going to love you and embrace you. He's approachable. And he wants us to be able to approach him with confidence because we trust in his goodness. We trust in his grace. We trust in his forgiveness. That's what God wants for you. God is consistent and always dependable. 1 Samuel 15, 29. He who is the glory of Israel does not lie or change his mind. For he's not a human being that he should change his mind. James 1, 17. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like the shifting shadows. Some may be thinking, man, you know, I know God was like that at one time. What if he has a bad day? Good news, he doesn't have those. You know, sometimes I let my emotions get the better of me. Uh, sometimes I act the fool because I let my anger get out of control. Uh, or because I, I let depression rule the day. And I start focusing inward on me. And what I don't have, or what I should have, or whatever, whatever the case may be when I'm being self-centered. And my emotions rule. Guys, God has emotions. We were cre- you, you know why we have emotions ourselves? Because we were created in His image. He has emotions, but He's not subject to His emotions. He has them, but all His judgments are right. Even when He feeling angry, or when he's feeling sad, or when he's grieved, whatever, he has those emotions. But he doesn't let them rule him. He doesn't have a bad day. And so all these characteristics, his goodness, his power, his love, his grace, his kindness and forgiveness, these are, these are who God is. And he's not going to change. This is who he is, who he has been, who he will be. Okay? Um, God is righteous, just, and completely fair. God is righteous, just, and completely fair. Genesis 18, verse 25 says, Far be it from you to do such a thing, to kill the righteous with the wicked, treating the righteous and the wicked alike. 
Far be it from you, Lord. Will not the judge of the earth do right? The answer, that's a rhetorical question, but the answer is yes, he will. That's what the author is getting at. Yes, he will always do right. Like I said, he doesn't make mistakes. And his judgment is right. Jeremiah 9.24, But let the one who boasts, boast about this, that they have the understanding to know me, that I am the Lord who exercises kindness, justice, and righteousness on earth, for I, in these I what? I delight in these, declares the Lord. Uh, so he knows what's good in all circumstances. In all circumstances. And so this is another thing that requires trust, guys, because we encounter some hard circumstances sometimes, don't we? And what does the book of James say we should do when we encounter hard circumstances? Count it all joy, my brothers, when you face trials of many kind. For in these, God is teaching, I can't remember the exact quote, but he's teaching you to persevere. He's developing your character. I know that's a, one of those cliches that gets thrown around, like, this builds character. Well, it does, if you're godly. And so don't let the cliche get in the way of the lesson. It really does. If you will learn to be godly uh, in the midst of persecution, it's a really good book on that. It's a little book that you can get online called Don't Waste Your Cancer. Uh, I've read that with a lot of friends who are sick. We had a young lady at uh, my church this past year, one of our youth workers, who died. And we will be telling stories about Mallory Smith for a long time because Mallory Smith suffered well. And on her hospital bed, the things that were bringing her joy when she knew she was going to die was that the people around her were still faithfully serving. Like when we had to leave her hospital room to go to like a cross chat where we were going to be reaching out to teens or something like that, she would, that she would, her, she would light up. Go. Go. She was studying the Bible with her nurse that was coming and working on her. You know, it's just story after story. I'm not i got to keep going, but there's a lot of stories about Mallory that I could tell you. She's one that suffered well because she trusted that God was good in the, in the midst of circumstance. In the midst of whatever it was. God is merciful and quick to forgive the repentant. God is merciful and quick to forgive the repentant. This is another one of those that you can take to the bank. Do I take any pleasure in the death of the wicked? It says in Ezekiel 18.23, declares the sovereign Lord, rather am I not pleased when they turn from their ways and live? Have you ever heard somebody talk about this God of wrath? And, and like this difference between the Old Testament God and Jesus? Well, there's no difference, guys. Why? Because God doesn't change. And Jesus is God. And yeah, He came as a man in humility, but he's going to come back in glory and he's going to judge the earth. And that's going to be a fearful day for everyone except for the repentant. Do you guys know what it means to repent? Okay. It doesn't mean just to say you're sorry. Keep doing the same old thing. To repent means it means you change your mind. It means, uh, in Greek, it's metanoia. Meta means change. Noia means mind. It's a changing of the mind, literally. I begin to see my sin like God sees it. And when I see my sin like God sees it, I turn away from it. Because if I see my sin like God sees it, I'm not going to keep doing that because I know it's death. So my mind changes. My mind is renewed. Um, there's also this choice that I'm going to see my sin that way. 
There's also, I need to pray. God, give me more of your Holy Spirit so I can learn to hate my sin. Help me hate my sin. That's a good prayer to pray. Turn away from it. Guys, when we're repentant, God is quick to forgive the repentance. He's quick to forgive. He takes no pleasure in the death of the wicked. Sometimes we read these Old Testament stories you know, about what happened in Canaan or what happened to the Amalekites or some of these other peoples that were wiped out. Guys, do you have any idea how many generations went by before God came to that? And, you know, sometimes we struggle with his judgment when we read some of these Old Testament stories. We're like, he killed how many people? Guys, he's omniscient. He's everywhere. That spans time. Not only, he doesn't just see the future because he knows the future. He sees the future because he's already there. He can tell you perfectly the past because he's already there and the present because he's there simultaneously. His omnipresence spans time and space. He created time and space. He's above it. I am from above. You're from below. We think in terms of time and space. God's like, yeah, that's not a thing. <laughs> you know that thing called eternity that I'm going to welcome you into? Yeah, there's, there's not a, a, a timeline for that. Like, it's, it's a loop. It's a circle. It's a sphere. It's not a line, you know? Uh, he sees. And so uh, we can rest in that. And, and we can also rest in the fact that when it comes to that, when he does exercise judgment and cleanse the earth as he's done, it's for our good. Because he knows there's no hope for those people anyway. But there is hope for us. And so he protects us from things sometimes. It says in 1 Timothy 2, 3 and 4, this is good and pleases God our Savior. Who wants who? Who does he want to be saved? Is there anybody you know that God doesn't want to be saved? Who does all leave out? Nobody. God wants all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. 2 Peter 3, 9. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. These people were saying, Jesus said he's coming back. Where is he at? These people in this passage, they were being persecuted by Nero. He was having people executed in the Roman colonies. And they were like, why won't Jesus just come back and save us from this stuff? He killed my kids. Why am I doing it? And, and, and Peter writes and says, God's not slow in keeping his promise. He's given others time to repent. He's waiting until the right moment because he knows this soul and this soul and this soul. These people are going to repent. And so he's waiting. He knows what he's doing, right? And so now that you've looked at that, you think, wow. He's not so scary. I mean, he is. He's not my campfire buddy. But maybe I can approach this guy. And then you move on and see what he says about loving you. How does God feel about you? I like what it says in Romans 8, 35 and 39. We could look at a lot more, but this one's good. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble, or hardship, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword? How many of you guys have gone through some stuff and felt like, man, does God love me? Can, can He love me and this be happening to me? This be happening to my family? This be happening to my friends? And he loved me and he's like, no, guys, look. 
hardship, persecution, famine, nakedness, danger, sword. The guy writing this, the guy who sang when he was in a Roman prison. The guy writing this is the guy who wrote uh, in one of the Corinthian letters about all the things that had happened to him in his service of the gospel. I think if we looked at the Apostle Paul's back, we would be grossed out. Because he took so many beatings and so many floggings. Guys, he was probably permanently disabled. He was thrown in a pit one time and they pelted him with stones to kill him. And they left him there thinking he was dead. And the disciples came out, they got him, they pulled him out of the pit. The dude gets up and goes back into the city with the people that just tried to kill him. The Romans didn't know what to do with this guy. Well, we'll just kill him. Well, to die is to be with Christ. To die is gain. Yeah, okay. <laughs> what are you going to say when you stand before Jesus? Whoops! You know? No. To live is Christ. I'm going to keep telling people about Jesus. To die is gain. If I, if I live, I'm going I'm to keep talking. If I die, it's okay too. So that's the attitude of this guy. Famine. Darkness, nakedness? No, that doesn't separate me from the love of God. I'm still going to sing His praises. And he goes on, as it is written, For your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons, neither the present, nor the future, nor any powers, neither height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of Christ that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Guys, there's nothing that can happen to you that can separate you from the Lord. There's nothing. When you have that connection, when you have that love, and I, I, I know people that went to those POW camps in Vietnam, and they learned to sing His praises in the midst of torture. You know, and Guys, they, they understood this. No matter what the circumstances, no matter how dark the world, God still loves me. And they believed it, guys. Do you believe this? Do you believe God loves you like this? Yes. Is this, this is what changes everything. God wants this connection with you. Christianity is about relationship. It's not about rules. You want to know the greatest way God demonstrates His love for us? It's through what Jesus Christ did for us. It's what He did for us. In Romans 5.8, God demonstrates His own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Did He have to? It was His idea. He's thinking, what can I do to help these people who struggle with trusting me what can I give them to show them I'm trustworthy? What can I give them to help them not doubt how committed I am to them and how much I love them? I know. I'll find the worst possible way to die. Not only will I die that way, I'll do it in front of my loved ones. I'll be tortured to death in front of my mother while the people who put me there get to mock me in front of her and spit on me in front of her and I'm not going to retaliate and call down curses on them. I'm going to pray for their forgiveness.
Does God love you? Yes. That's why he did it that way. He could have said, I'll just wave my hand. And whoever wants to follow me will forgive their sins. I'll just... Any number of things, guys. He did it that way on purpose. Because he knows, even though the Word says all these things about him and how good he is, he knew we still wouldn't trust just words. Because we don't trust very well. And the, the thing is, guys, even though he did that on the cross, we still struggle. Yeah. And he knows us. He created us. And so it comes down to choice. Am I going to trust this or not? Am I going to trust that he loves me? Am I going to get up in the morning like Adam and Eve? You know, the, the sin that she fell into was, God is keeping this for me because he doesn't really love me. He's holding out on me. In a perfect world, there's more. He's holding out on me. He doesn't love me. This sin is as old as the garden. This lie is as old as the garden. God did all this because he doesn't want us to buy into that lie that he doesn't love us. And so how do I love God? Three things, real quick. Um, three thoughts. Um, and this is following the example of Jesus. Uh, you know, you look at the life of Jesus, and, and what did Jesus do to love God? Well, first of all, he learned about it. Um, as a little kid, uh, when all the other little kids were out playing and having fun, and the 12-year-old Jesus went to Jerusalem, and uh, you guys have read the story in Luke uh, about him going in the caravan with his family and getting lost in the big city of Jerusalem. Now, in the... Back in the day when the temple was still present in, in uh, Jerusalem, anytime there was a holiday, which there were several major holidays every year, uh, all of the Jews would gather together, all the faithful Jews, to go to the temple. And so on a holiday, like the Passover or Pentecost or you know, some of these others, um, the, the population of the city would swell. And there would be Jews from all over the known world back then who would come speaking all kinds of different languages and bringing all kinds of different culture, but they had this shared faith in God in common. And so they'd come together and they would go through uh, you know, these festival rituals and sacrifices and all these things. And uh, it was a thing that they did several times a year. Uh, so this is the same crowd kind of coming together. You travel in a caravan back then uh, because it was dangerous. Uh, even though Rome ruled the world back then, um, there were bandits and people on the road, and so you'd usually travel with your whole village if you were a Jew uh, to go to uh, Jerusalem. And it was common back then for everybody to kind of raise everybody's kids. And so, you know, I didn't have to worry. Jesus is a good boy if I'm, if I'm his dad. I don't have to worry about him running off. If, he's, if I don't see him for a while, it's because he's with another family, and I can trust that because he's a good boy, right? And so they go to Jerusalem and they spend time in the city for the festival and then they leave and they're actually on the road for two days with the caravan until they finally realize, you know, I haven't seen Jesus in a while. Where is he? And so they start looking around and asking the other people in the caravan, where is he? And uh, they end up going back to Jerusalem and I can't remember one from memory, but I want to say they search for like three days 
And so what is that, like five days you don't see your boy or something crazy? Or maybe it was three total, I can't remember the total. Somebody can correct me. Um, is it up there? Oh, yeah, that's after three days uh, of searching. See, I think there may have been a couple of more before this, but I'm not positive. Um, so yeah, they searched for three days in Jerusalem. Um, and they find him in the temple courts. And have you guys ever sang that song? Amen. Yeah. yeah, it's a good song. See him at the temple. You know, what it doesn't say in the song is asking lots of questions. <laughs> I had this flannograph when I was a kid um, that had like Jesus up on the temple steps with a scroll open and like all the people at the bottom of the stairs. And he's like, as a 12 year old, teaching all the people. And I remember my teacher teaching me that on the flannel graph. You guys know what a flannel graph is? Mm-hmm. Pre-PowerPoint days, we had this stuff called flannel. And uh, it was it was a piece of cloth, and we had these little, little velcro things. <laughs> you guys? Yeah, flannel graph. And so that's, a, that's the kit, like, to teach this section of scripture. To teach this section of scripture, that was the kit. It was, it was Jesus with a little scroll open teaching all the people. And you put it up there and see kids, Jesus. He was so smart. He was teaching all the people. That's not what it says. Guys, Jesus, whenever he was born as a little kid, he didn't just, he wasn't just born knowing the scriptures. He put time in. He, he was tempted in every way, like you and I. He was tempted to not put the time in to know the scriptures. He was tempted in every way. He's going to the temple as a 12-year-old kid. Look where his priorities are. He's going to these teachers and he's asking them questions. What did, you know what they did at the synagogue and the temple back then? They opened up the Old Testament and they said, how does this apply to my life? And they're amazed. They are amazed at him. They're amazed at his understanding and his answers. Because they're asking him questions. What do you think about this? How does this scripture apply to your life? And he's able to converse with these adults because, guess what? He studied the scriptures. Even as a boy, he had a love for the scriptures. So what about you? Do you have a love for the scriptures? Do you have a love for the scriptures? Do you feed on the scriptures? Like they're like, guys, Jesus and God gave us the scriptures for a reason, to be used. Not to sit and collect dust. Not to be opened only when you're listening to a sermon. He gave them to you to be used. People died to put this in your hands. Go study church history. How many people were killed? Because church leaders wanted to keep these out of the hands of the people because it gave them power. Right? We have it. We have this privilege afforded us in this country and in this time. And there, there is more scripture available today than ever in all of history. And, and not many people take advantage of it. And guys, guess what you do when you don't know the scriptures? You tend to live over the scriptures instead of under the scriptures. I know better. When God tells us, don't lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge me, and I will make your path straight. Get into the scriptures. Don't lean on your own understanding, okay? So learn about him. Find out what pleases the Lord what we read last night. Study your Bible. Number two, spend time with Him. Look at what Jesus did here. 
says in Luke 5.16, Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. Uh, Mark 1.35, very early in the morning while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Luke 23, verse 39, Jesus went out as usual to the Mount of Olives, or Jesus went out as was his custom to the Mount of Olives. That's where he would go and spend time with the Lord. He did this all the time, guys. This was his normal habit. He would get up early in the morning, and he would go sit with the Lord, guys. And he knew the scriptures, so I'm sure he's meditating on the scriptures. He knew them well enough to be able to quote Deuteronomy in context to fight off Satan's temptation. Like he knew the word. So he has that in his heart. He's praying to the Lord. He's, he's asking for guidance. You know, before he goes and selects the men who are going to become his apostles, he spent a whole night praying. Why? Because he wanted guidance. He didn't just know everything. Like all these characteristics we look at of God the Father, Jesus didn't have those. He gave that stuff up and came into the world fully as a man with all the disadvantages of that. And he lived a perfect life. Guys, he leaned on the Word and he leaned on relationship with God through prayer and time. And thirdly, obey Him. Obey Him. Let me just inject here too, guys. Can you have a relationship with someone without putting the time in? I know we got married couples in the room here, a few. Uh, is your marriage work? Would you say your marriage is work? Yeah. Uh, any relationship is work. If you don't put the time into it, um, it it's not going to go well. So you need to put the time in. What, how, what makes a good marriage? Like for the husbands in the room. Do you find out what your wife likes? Do you find out what pleases her? No pressure. Yeah, no pressure at all. <laughs> for, for the husbands in the room that are constantly in the doghouse, do you find out? <laughs> yes. Yes. Do you do things for her? Yes. Do you try to... Uh, do things that honor her and stay away from things that dishonor her? How does that apply to a relationship with God? Because, like I said at the beginning, it's about relationship, not rules. Sometimes we just focus on the rules. But why do we follow those rules? Because we love God. Not because we're doing it just out of the sense of duty. It's because we love God. That's why number three is in here. To obey Him, right? John 14, if you love me, what do you do? Keep my command. Why? Because you're trying to please Him. You want to because you love Him. Not because you're checking off a list. You got these steps i got to follow. No. You love God. That's why. Not because I'm checking off steps. Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father. I, too, will love them and show myself to them. Uh, 1 John 2, 3-6. We know that we have come to know Him if we what? Keep His commands. Whoever says, I know Him, but does not do what He commands is a liar. And the truth is not in that person. But if anyone obeys His word, love for God is truly made complete in them. By the way, if anyone obeys what? His word. What if you don't know His word? 
can't obey it. Yeah, you cut up a creek, huh? <laughs> See how this works together? <laughs> know the word. Love God. Bam. This is how we know we're in Him. Whoever claims to live in Him must live as who? Jesus. Perfect model. You want to learn how to be perfect. Go study the life of Jesus. He never sinned. Was he tempted? Yes. And when it says he was tempted, does it mean he really wanted the things he was being tempted with? Yes. I think sometimes we imagine Jesus as this little man with a halo on, you know, and, and he, he, didn't, he didn't struggle like me. Guys, when he was tempted by the devil, he really thought about doing this. That's what it means to be tempted. He didn't give in. What helped him not give in was he quoted scripture. So what are your deepest struggles? What keeps you from obeying consistently? What does the Bible say about it? What can you put in your heart? What scriptures can you memorize when you're faced with that temptation to quote? How can you utilize the relationships of the people around you to help in your obedience? It's important. And uh, we're going to talk more about that last thought. How do you help? How do the people around you help with this? We're going to talk about that this afternoon. Um, and so we're going to look at the one another scriptures, uh, which are a lot of fun, uh, and talk and talk about some other stuff. So it's going to be good. And then tonight, guys, I'm really excited about what we're doing tonight. Um, because in our after we eat s'mores, we're going to have, uh, after, after everybody's fat and happy, uh, we're going to come back in here and we're going to have this room kind of arranged in such a way uh, where the mic is going to be turned over to you guys. Uh, and I'm going to tell you more about that later. Uh, but it's going to be a time for us to come into the light. And, you know, just, uh, you'll see. It's going to be good. It'll be fun. Uh, so I'm looking forward to that. Um, but you guys remember the three chairs. Okay, let me grab some real quick. I hope so. Um, so you guys remember what the first chair was, right? This is the guy who doesn't really, the guy or gal who doesn't really uh, have a relationship with God. This was someone who does, but it's kind of lukewarm. Uh, this one is uh, a healthy Christian, a healthy disciple of Jesus, okay? Chair three. Um, as it pertains to loving God, where are you? This person doesn't love God at all. Uh, this person doesn't really want a relationship with God. Uh, this person does love God, but maybe they really struggle with obedience. You know, maybe they really struggle with sin. They're unrepentant. And so they go to church, they pray, do a lot of Christian things, but man, they really got a struggle that they, they just haven't overcome yet, and they need help. Okay? That's this one. This is somebody who's doing good. Um, this is somebody who isn't perfect, uh, but they confess their sins. They're in the habit of that. Uh, they they really get up trying to serve God. You know, they 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 know the Word. They're in the Word. They're spending time with the Lord. They have a really healthy relationship with God. Um, so just think, where where am I? And so those are the three chairs. We got the questions up here. 
uh, for your discussion. What did I learn today that changes my perspective? Do I feel like I love God well? Why or why not? What am I willing to commit to changing, and what can this group do to help me after this weekend? Um, now, for these cabin discussion guys, like I said, I, I recommend you break down into smaller groups uh, with people that you know that you're going to be with. I don't recommend you mix the genders um, in case there's some sin that needs to be confessed that's not appropriate for the whole group. Um, you know, I recommend guys get with guys, girls get with girls, uh, and, and you guys take this stuff serious. Um, and like I said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to provide you with some quiet time material that's going to have all these scriptures and more in it. Uh, so that'll come later. Um, but I think we've got the next little bit set aside for this discussion. And so uh, we'll do that. And then we have lunch after. Yep. Lunch after. Okay. So that is at on your thingy. Okay. 12. 12 o'clock. 12.15. Okay. So we have about an hour, uh, a little over an hour. Uh, so if you guys, I'm going to pray. And if y'all don't mind, let's go ahead and head back to your cabins, which you guys, we're doing it in the cabins because we want you guys to have the privacy that you need if you've got some stuff you want to share that you don't want to be broadcast. So I just ask that you kind of you know, keep these discussions uh, to who needs to have them. Don't, don't be talking about everybody's business around. You know, let's, let's respect that. Um, but y'all take this serious, okay? And, uh, and God's going to move. So, yeah. Oh, we're going to have a song. Okay. And Let me pray, and then we'll sing, and then we'll do the cabin discussions. Okay? Let's pray. Uh, God, thanks again for bringing us together this morning. Um, it's a privilege for me to get, to get up and, and just be able to share your word. Father, if there's anything that I said that was an error, uh, God, I just pray that that, that be made uh, abundantly clear. Um, and Father, I just pray for a spirit of humility among all of us. We're talking about uh, some very, very important subject matter when it comes to how you love us. And Father, I just pray that, that God, do not let doubt creep in, um, that, that we will make a choice to accept your word because you have made it so clear how much you care for us and how committed you are and how good you are despite your power, God. Um, and and that, that should give us confidence in being able to approach you. And so Father, I just lift up this time of discussion and worship uh, and pray you bless it, and it's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen.